0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Equipping the saints to know, understand, and live life with kingdom purpose. Essentially what it means to understand, embrace, as Christ suggested, not just the great commandment, The great, let me do that again, not just the greatest commandment, but the great commission as well. That is at the heart of the ministry of our guest today and Cedars Church of Christ newark we're pleased to have join us today the senior pastor of cedars church tim ruiz pastor tim welcome thank you uh first i'm just curious start of this church in 2017 right leading into the cusp of a pandemic just a couple of three years later that must have been quite the challenging experience
2: it was. It was. So actually, we were a church merge of two different churches um, that came together in January of 2017 uh, to start this uh, new mission, this new vision that the two churches shared in common and began to uh, join forces on. So. Yeah, we had about three years of ramp up before everything radically changed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> three years of ramp up, and then the brakes got put on. Uh, but, yes. But, but clearly on the backside of this, a couple of years later, uh, the church has survived. You've learned to essentially morph with the challenges and take advantage of technology that's out there, live streaming, things of that sort, uh, that's continued the church to not only um, continue to survive, but to thrive, all wrapped around that core mission which i think is so vitally important and i want to spend some time today talking about it that 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 sense of front and center the compassion for those around us to not only live out the notion of loving god with all of our heart mind body soul and our neighbor as ourselves but then too to be about the master's business when it comes to fulfilling the great commission and my goodness In a region like the San Francisco Bay Area, there are a few, if any of us, that need to have a passport and an airplane ticket to go out onto the mission field. Just open your front door.
2: That is correct. And actually, in the the Newark, Fremont area, I think we have even a bigger mix. I know in Fremont, which is the neighboring city for us, outside of, I believe, Afghanistan, uh, is the largest um, Afghan population. So we, we have a tremendous influx um, of people from Afghan and all around the world. But, um, yeah, it is a unique mix, especially in that part of the Bay Area.
1: Your background educationally, you have an MA in specialized ministry missions from Western Theological Seminary. Was that intentional? And, and has that really helped to equip you in terms of, of pouring into your people? Truth and encouragement, and essentially motivation to be out in the Bay Area in this mission field.
2: It, it was well. So when I was uh, finishing my degree at Western, I actually thought God was going to call my wife and I to foreign missions to another culture out there, and then He uh, threw at least threw me a curveball and changed the call to be local. So all the things I was planning for and the things I had been working on. You know, understanding cultures, how to understand languages, how to understand people, then to be able to deliver the gospel and make connections and relationships through cultural barriers. Those things haven't been wasted by any means because we get to use them every day here. But the initial idea or call was to go out there and he said, well, out there was just outside your front door.
1: Yeah, And, And ultimately then that understanding of some of the cultural differences and challenges that were presented in articulating the gospel really has helped to equip you to do just that. As you point out, I don't know that there's any place in the country, perhaps no place else on the planet, that is quite as diverse as the San Francisco Bay Area is. And I guess that's. A two edged sword, isn't it? In, in one respect, it makes outreach a bit more challenging. But in another respect, it gives us the capacity as we are able to touch the lives of people that live here with friends and family that live abroad and other places, people that travel here for business or for vacation, to really kind of prepare even for ourselves, our own sense of of equipping little tiny missionaries that can be reached for Christ here and then go home wherever home might be to impact that part of the region, that part of the world for Christ.
2: Correct. Correct. And we know that even in the Bay Area, it seems, you know, people come and go so frequently, you know, sometimes we may only have a, you know, people for about two or three years to build into and establish relationships with before they're on to the next thing, which often means moving back out of the area, or like you said, going back home, maybe they're in the Bay Area for schooling um, at some of the universities we have here and such. So it, it is a, it is a brief, Opportunity in some regards for that segment of the population to equip them, to love them, to give them the gospel message, and trust that their next step along um, the way is going to continue that.
1: In some ways, it's no different than raising a child. I mean, they live with you for a period of time, you train up that child, you Teach them the word. You educate them. You essentially prepare them for life. They leave the nest. They go to build a life of their own. And uh, the, the sense of the secality of life in the San Francisco Bay Area. I think the the most recent study shows, on average, something like five year average of home ownership before somebody moves on. Uh, generally, an opportunity somewhere else. And so they're here for a season and gone again. But wow! What an amazing opportunity for the church here in the Bay Area to get a chance to reach out and to touch so many lives with hope and the good news of the gospel.
2: True, true. And uh, just hearing you say those statistics is funny. So I guess I bucked the trend, or I uh, probably like in school I lowered the curve. But <laughs> so we've been in our in our house for twenty seven years, uh, and then before that, um, before I got married, I it was in. The house to my parents for since uh, what 68 to 92 whatever math that is um so um my roots are in the bay area born and raised um mostly the south bay and so um yeah but I, but i have seen i have seen the trends very different from what i grew up in from what i experienced and so it is it is a bit of a challenge but i like to always um mention to, to our congregation and keep before them they always use the metaphor of a coin. So one coin can say, oh, it's tough because, you know, we start to get to know them and then they leave, whatever that means. But the other side of that coin means opportunity. So I always try to bring out the other side of the coin and the opportunity because it seems like, you know, a lot of times we'll look at one side of the coin and it's either the negative or the challenge or the hard part of it. And so I'm always trying to at least show another side of, of the coin, you know, of the opportunity, the hope filled side of things. So, yeah.
1: And I think a part of that too is, is just normal human nature. We are are strangers to change. We abhor change, particularly if we have a sense of being out of control as that change might be happening. And yet in an area like the San Francisco Bay region, and perhaps arguably even our own country, in the last several years, has seen enormous change, some of it good, a lot of it not so good, and yet here we are nevertheless as the church, empowered and challenged to nevertheless stand and deliver, deliver the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm curious, from your perspective, Pastor Ruiz, looking back on the totality of your time living here in the San Francisco Bay area as a Bay area native. And as you look at some of these challenges, what for you as a leader of the church, as a pastor of your congregation, what for you in your mind are some of the biggest challenges that we, as the church, little C and large C need to overcome?
2: Yeah. Um, So the first challenge that comes to my mind is The challenge of influence, and I don't think this is anything new to us or specific to us, but in our region, when it comes to the church, the church is meant to be the influence for the kingdom where it is. The challenge I think that we're seeing not only in the Bay Area, um, in America, and I think in Western society is the influence of the culture coming and clashing against the kingdom and the church needing to stand its ground on the word of God. To maintain the influence she's called to have, and so um, you, you know that's been, I think, very evident in the Bay Area over the last you know decade or, or so of the battle of influence, um, and so I think that's one of one of the challenges. You know, one of the other challenges I know that we've seen personally is um, you know with the, rous- the rising um, prices of houses and and things like that. We've seen a number of people that are longtime Bay area residents sell and move. Again, so here comes this double-edged sword, so this equity exodus that we've seen. But also then those people who are buying those houses, by and large, are moving into the area are less churched than some of our friends that are moving out. So again, it brings the the ratio of unchurched and churched um, into a bigger uh, discrepancy. But again, also comes with The idea of possibility. So some of the some of the churches that, you know, many of the churches that I'm connecting with and and have friends with other pastors, then they're saying the same thing that people are leaving and the people who are replacing um, them as far as in the houses are less and less Christian. So that those are two of the bigger things, I think, in the Bay Area that we see and and have to try and live
1: within. Our guest today is Pastor Tim Ruiz, Senior Pastor of Cedars Church of Newark. We'll take a brief time out, return to more of our conversation in just a moment.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. Special guest today. We're talking with Pastor Tim Ruiz, Senior Pastor of Cedars Church of Newark. Pastor Tim, I want to return to where we left off just prior to the break. And as you point out, with challenges come opportunities. A lot of it depends on one's perspective and how we approach all of this. To be right. sure, when we look at the Bay Area churched population, and uh, these numbers over recent years have held fairly steady, which I guess is good news, but again, it's also that double-edged sword right. that you referred to a moment ago, that we on average have only a 4% per capita regular church attendance rate in the San Francisco Bay region. And that that doesn't include the folks that show up on Christmas and Easter. It's just the folks that show up regularly with some consistency on the average Sunday. Only 4% of a region that contains well over 9 million people, which from one perspective is overwhelming. From another perspective, it means that no matter where we turn, it's easy to find someplace to which we can bring salt and light.
2: Correct, and I, I have actually used those similar statistics this year. I, back in January, in our in our vision talk that we do at the beginning each year in our congregational meeting, that same idea. Um, every year we have a. A conference that we put on internally called an equipping conference, and last year in November we did so, and the theme was living sent. So this this idea of living missionally, kingdom minded, runs through um, who I am and, and how I lead. But equipping our saints to li- to love where they live and live sent, and so God's called us here on purpose. And while we're here, we have a job to do, and so that idea of being a witness, and so. Wherever we go, we are called to be a witness. We're called to shine a light. And I guess the the greater the the darkness, to use that metaphor, then every person that steps into it as a believer is that much more of a light should be outstanding in one regard. Um, so, yeah, I focus on the positive and see the opportunity that people can hear and people can um, Can hopefully come to know Jesus by either coming to the local churches or, more importantly, the local churches going out into their neighborhoods.
1: Now, some folks eavesdropping on our conversation, right? Say, "Okay, guys, there you go. You've just proved my point. How difficult it is." Craig, you're talking about this. Looks like the mission field pastor. You're quoting statistics poor church attendance, this is a huge challenge. And, and and so, therefore, you know, is it any wonder we're in the shape that we're in because it's so incredibly difficult? But I have to wonder, is it really? I mean, in a sense, when we talk about sinners in need of a Savior, no matter what your makeup, your family background, your uh, language, the part of the world that you come from, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And delivering that message, and and essentially living out the hope of the gospel, being disciples and making disciples, that fundamental formula really hasn't changed down through the millennium, has it?
2: No, not at all. In fact, a, a lot of our focus on Sunday this year has been kind of coming back to um, the basics of what you just said, and so I, I mean, I look at it when Jesus was you know was handing off the baton you know there were eleven disciples there was roughly i mean, acts tells us i think it's one hundred and twenty um, people that were all in so yeah, that's a pretty small number for a pretty big region, so I see that as hope it's the same holy Spirit that filled them to be witnesses is the same holy spirit that's alive and active today to fill us it's the really the response of the church to say, uh, Here I am, send me you know we Jesus Uh, When he was calling his first disciples, he still calls disciples. He still calls them to to follow, to be formed after him, and to join him in his mission. That hasn't changed. It's pretty simple. And so if we do that based on, like you said earlier, the love of God, the love of our neighbor, and the love of fellow Christians— um, yeah, let's continue to focus on that.
1: Is it really then in that, in that regard, Pastor Ruiz, a, a, a trust and a confidence thing? And I, I ask that question because think back to the 12 and, and the beginnings. Here we are more than 2,000 years after these events unfolded, and the, the impact of the gospel continues to this day. And yet you look at the original 12, one of which, by the way, ultimately betrayed him a ragtag group that I would imagine the average pulpit committee would look at the resumes and say, no, denied, rejected. (laughs) There, There are probably very few on that list that the average person would say, yeah, you look like a good candidate to be a disciple of Jesus and set the world on fire. But that said, when you recognize that two millennia later, this ragtag group with nothing more than what they knew of, their time with Christ on earth and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the obedience to follow in setting forth, uh, proclaiming the news and delivering the mandate has changed the world. And so I-, I guess if those 12 disciples back then could bring us to where we are today, then maybe our understanding as to how all this operates and what the challenges are may simply be a lack of understanding or or obedience on our own part. Do you think that's true?
2: I do. Yeah, As you were saying that, you know, so in the very early part of the church, Acts chapter two through four, um, when Peter and John heal the beggar, then they get in trouble for doing a good deed. Um, But when they're, so when they're standing before the Sanhedrin, right, before the ruling party of the Jews, um, one thing they noted is that these two had been with Jesus. They were average, ordinary men who had been with Jesus. And I love that verse because <laughs> that's the category I put myself in. I'm not some great theologian. I'm not. Uh, I'm just an average, ordinary guy that spends time with Jesus. And, um, and so I, I play that, I think, I like to play that to my advantage. Um, and then that's just part of the relational aspect of it. I spend time with Jesus having spent all of my life with Jesus, for a few years, and then taking that relationship style to my neighborhood to love my neighbor um, is, yeah, is key to who I am and who we are building ourselves at Cedars.
1: And and when you put it in those terms, Pastor, um, you not only simplify things, but you also remove a lot of the excuses. Let me give you an example. If somebody came to me and said, Craig, you know who Warren Buffett is? Oh, yeah, the big investor guy from Brookshire Hathaway, and he owns all these big companies across the globe, et cetera, et cetera. Well, tell me about Warren Buffett. What kind of a guy is he? What are his morals? What's he all about? I would have to say, you know what? I've never spent time with him. I know of him, but I don't know him personally, so I really can't share anything with you because I just don't know him. Our guest today is Pastor Tim Ruiz, Senior Pastor of Cedars Church of Newark. We'll take a brief time out, return to more of our conversation in just a moment.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. Special guest today. We're talking with Pastor Tim Ruiz, Senior Pastor of Cedars Church of Newark. Pastor Tim, I want to return to where we left off just prior to the break. Some folks that perhaps struggle with sharing their faith with others, maybe struggle because deep down there's a level in them that recognizes that they find it hard to talk about Jesus because it's somebody that they know of, but they don't know real well. Maybe they've even at one point given their life to him, but have never spent time in the word, don't know what it is to be a disciple, and therefore, when they hear things like make disciples, share the good news, share your faith, reach others for Christ, they throw their hands up in the air, they feel entirely intimidated because they feel as if, you know, it's hard for me to talk about somebody that I don't know. But if you know them well, if I asked you, Pastor Ruiz, tell me a little bit about your wife, Diana, you could say, Craig, let me tell you how wonderful she is and go through this big laundry list. Why? Because you know her. I'm wondering if in some cases the real missing element why some folks struggle with sharing their faith and why we don't see more dynamic stuff happening in the grander, greater church today is because we've got a large percentage of Christians that probably know more of him than know him personally. Do you think that's true?
2: I do. Um, it, and that's one of the things I know at Cedars. So one of our core um, focuses is equipping the saints for works of service. So that is how, you know, how do we equip people to spend time with Jesus? How do we continue to focus on Jesus? That's really been um, the focus of our Sunday mornings so far this year. We're continuing to finish up a series on, on the seven I am statements out of John, but just the clear we can know who Jesus is and then know who he, what he did, the greater we even understand God and the Trinity, but it is having to recenter on the basics. I'm a huge sports fan. Um, one of the sports I love is baseball. And so I always use this metaphor. It, it's amazing that you have these professional, um, excellent athletes who every spring have to go down to either Florida or Arizona to re, um, study, repractice the basics. And so, um, and it, it most everything that I'm aware of has a base foundation, basics for whatever study you're in, and everything builds on that. So if you take away the basics, you don't have um, growth beyond that. And so it is fundamental that we could keep coming back to the basics, grow from there, but but staying firmly rooted in the basics um, is key. And I think part of what you were saying as well, and I agree with that, is people know of Jesus. And then the challenge is to, to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And I think that's where the hard part is for us as believers, because then we have to let go of control, which is something you said earlier, um, and allow God to work in our lives to change us. And that's where I think the power of the testimony comes in. And I think that's where a lot of the struggle for many believers is, is they're good with the salvation part of of christianity but they struggle more with the sanctification arm of that of becoming more like christ and so that's where i think the, the the need is because then the more and more we become like christ maybe the easier for lack of better words it is to um share but there's one thing that and we looked at this a few weeks back at our church um, the idea of of faith and doubt being hand in hand and i go back to uh matthew 28 when the 11 went out to meet with him before they received the great commission. It says that some, that they went and worshiped, but some still doubted. And so that word doubted like to change the, to wonder, right? Some worshiped and some still wondered like, how in the heck is this all happening? Um, and, and I think Jesus, obviously Jesus is big enough to handle our questions. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my great go-to on that is the book of Psalms, David. Um. In, deep man of faith and a man after God's heart, but he sure had some tough questions and tough complaints that he had no problem taking to God. And so um, I think the more and more we continue to, to worship and wonder with asking good questions, wonder like, God, how is this going to work? How do you do that? Why do you do that? Asking heartfelt questions and allowing him to answer it and finding the answers in the word, build up our faith. And And so I, I don't have, I don't have too much of an issue with people coming to wonder in their worship.
1: Yeah. Absolutely not. And I think, in fact, Scripture encourages that. Um, And, you know, the other thought that comes to mind as you were sharing, Pastor Ruiz, this notion that it not only helps to build up our faith, but also our sense of confidence. The more time we spend in the Word, the more time we spend in prayer, the more opportunities we take to come together in fellowship and to to sit under uh, expository Bible preaching and teaching, uh, the more our knowledge base of him will grow. And the more our knowledge base of him grows, the more we can take on more of his character. And then it becomes easier and easier when we come across people in life that are open doors and, and, and opportunities to share our faith. Instead of this being something that we struggle with, we feel as if this is a tremendous burden that we didn't really want or would really rather pastor do it because they're, you know, they've, they've got a degree in ministry and I have none. And yet the more we get to know him, the easier it will be to talk about him. And in doing so, the easier it is um, to be able to help impact the world around us. It is about that, that matter of not just the one-time experience of regeneration by surrendering him, But then that process of sanctification, and I think a lot of folks maybe forget about the fact that, you know, there's kind of a couple of jobs here at hand. One is to love our neighbors as ourselves, to bring about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to serve him and be obedient to him, and to be in preparation for the next place, because this is just a temper. This is like sitting at the bus stop, uh, you know, it, that now that way that the bus stop for some of us might be 50, 60, 70, 80 years, but eventually the bus comes, we take off, we're heaven bound. And so a lot of our work here on earth ought to also be about that sanctification as, as we prepare for what's eventually going to be our, our home. Am I right?
2: Correct. Correct. Going back to my baseball analogy, I always um, like to use that as, you know, um, when the superstars are, are drafted, so I had a privilege of seeing Buster Posey play for a very brief time with the San Jose Giants, and he knew he was going to be the man in San Francisco, not too, you know, not too far away. Um, but again, this is this is this is our time in the minors, um, but we know that the major leagues are coming. But the minor leagues are important. Um, so, kind of your bus stop analogy is is similar thing. So, that's that's true.
1: Our guest today is Pastor Tim Ruiz, Senior Pastor of Cedars Church of Newark. We'll take a brief time out, return to more of our conversation in just a moment.
0: And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts.
1: Welcome back. Special guest today. We're talking with Pastor Tim Ruiz, Senior Pastor of Cedars Church of Newark. Pastor Tim, I want to return to where we left off just prior to the break. There's been a rise, I think, in frustration in this country over the past many years of seeing what's going on, Uh, not only moral trends, but a lot of divisiveness amongst us. And as as certain fractions of the church have have sought to engage more, uh, they've chosen almost an exclusive political path. Perhaps out of the belief that if the church does something to bring more heat, we can effect greater change. And yet I would wonder from a biblical perspective, much of we see going on, even with the recent mass killings that are racially motivated to, my goodness, not even being able to go to church on a Sunday without worrying or wondering whether or not you might meet Jesus sooner than you thought because a gunman comes into the church. And and so there's been sort of this this steady march towards some in the church working to do more to bring heat to try to affect change. And I'm wondering if it's heat that's going to affect the change, or if we look at these core issues and say, from a scriptural per- perspective, the way I read the Bible, without exception, every one of them goes back to sin nature and, and what happens when re- unregenerate people behave like that. And I'm wondering if maybe the shift the focus the 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 call to action, so to speak for the church today needs to maybe move less away from the notion of trying to bring the heat and instead doing more to bring the salt and bring the light
2: yeah definitely that's been our focus we <laughs> we don't bring too much heat in that political uh perspective um from our pulpit in fact I can't reelect real um remember too many statements said from up front by myself or the the other pastors um but it is it's it comes back to being the salt and light to being love um right we shouldn't be surprised by what's going on around us um because it's acting out its nature the world is going to behave in the way of the world and so and we know that in, in you know as time progresses it's supposed to get worse so there shouldn't be any surprise really it comes back to, I think even a topic we were talking earlier is making sure that we're prepared to stand, to stand our ground. And, um, as we do that in love and as we do that, um, as salt and bring an opportunity for the gospel, then I think we, we stand out more, right? It says that, uh, that you shine like stars in a crooked depraved generation that Paul wrote to the Philippians. And so, um, That's a a verse I quoted in a sermon the last couple of weeks. And that's true in the Bay Area. Um, So as I told my congregation, did you know that you are outstanding, (laughs) stand out like stars in a crooked and depraved generation? Um, And that comes back down to influence as well. Um, I think if there's one area to hold our ground is still to um, biblical truths. And it seems like it's getting harder for some. It seems like it's getting harder for some churches. Um, but I, I don't think that we've been released from that call. Um, and that's a difficult thing to do.
1: It, it is, but I think some of that also stems from it, an increased degree of biblical illiteracy that people kind of, they remember certain passages, somebody passes away, we quote, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the... We We know certain scriptures, but the whole yeah. counsel of God we 've really not taken to heart, and you know we we 're exhorted to study to show ourselves approved, and yet I think oftentimes we fail at that, and you know you you can 't live the word unless you know the word, and knowing the word is not sufficient enough, you need to know the word and you need to live the word and you know to the notion of of bringing salt and light i we go into a house at night, we come back after an evening out. And all the lights are off, and we open the front door to go into our house, and it's pitch black dark. And we say to ourselves, gee, it's awfully dark in here. What's the answer? Well, the answer is it needs more light. We don't necessarily make the argument that there's too much darkness. The real argument is there's not enough light. How do we change that? We reach to the switch, we turn on some lights in the kitchen, and the living room, and all of a sudden, bright light floods the room and we no longer feel the impact or the fear of the darkness. So maybe the church also, as we have a sense of being overwhelmed, and I and I think at, at a level, you know, Scripture talks about a time when men's hearts would fail within them for fear. And, and you know, if, if we're not there, we're certainly on the cusp of those types of events, looking at what's going on in the world around us today and all of the uncertainty at every turn. And yet, if we just look at this and say, "Yes," we acknowledge that there's an awful lot of darkness. But the cure to the lack of to the to the extreme degree of darkness is we need to address this by bringing more light.
2: Right, right, and definitely, people need to be growing in the Word. They need to be growing in prayer, um, living with the with the perspective of the kingdom. So, Matthew chapter nine. Um, Jesus says that, you know, he walked through the, the towns and uh, teached in the synagogues. and, and But he saw the, the condition of the people. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so, right, so he did his cultural study, right, as he, as he walked about. He lived with a kingdom eyesight. And then he turned to his disciples and said, then pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into his field. So it, it is understanding the culture we live in and then seeing what the need is to, to go into that and to work in that environment.
1: And, you know, take that a step further. We're also told that the, the fields are ripe unto harvest. Um, the challenge is that the laborers are few. And so it, it's a matter of getting equipped and then going out there and not just playing church, but being the church. And as we do so, I think we'll find that it's easy uh, to bring that light, to bring that salt, and to impact right where we're planted this wonderful mission field we call the San Francisco Bay Area as home. Uh, toward that end, I, I want to pivot, if we can, Pastor Ruiz, to some of the the ministry opportunities uh, there at Cedars Church. Um, your meeting, I understand, uh, Sunday mornings, uh, both in person and online. And um, in in terms of offerings and opportunities for uh, local families, my goodness, there's everything from soup to nuts and everything in between. Tell us more about um, some of the ministries within Cedars Church.
2: Yeah, some of the ministries. So um, we are meeting in person. We actually have been meeting in person for quite some time. Um, I think it was in 2020. We started meeting probably in about September, uh, July, outside live. Um, so, um, so, still meeting outside. One thing that is unique about our ministry is um, access for um, ASL. So, we have an ASL component um, that we have for every, every service. And so, that's one um, access point um, for, for that. Um, another one is we have been called to, and this was part of the vision when we first merged was to raise up um, house church leaders and plant house churches. And now we're, we're also planting missional communities. So gathering people um, of faith and people who are exploring faith and, and actually pushing that ministry out into the neighborhoods and out into the homes where people can gather much more relationally, um, much more organically. So we've had a number of those that have, that have um, birthed. And then, of course, pandemic shut most all of that down. But coming out of that, we're, you know, we're we're still keen on um, working with other local churches to serve um, the needy in the Tri Cities area of Union City, Newark, and Fremont. So we're doing that with a ministry called Compassion Network, which is something we work together on for um, for reaching uh, those in, in need in our community. So uh, very out, outreach focused, um, very community based, um, very. Um, Small groups based, if you will, in planting these very specific groups, recalling the communities. Well, and, so those are some of the core things we have going on. And,
1: and I love that 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 house church component because, in my mind, while most of us kind of, in a broader sense, see the church as a large building with a fancy steeple, choir all dressed in robes, and you know, three thousand people sitting in the congregation, and that certainly is church. But real church, in a sense, particularly from a historical first-century Book of Acts perspective, really is the house church. And it's in that environment, that more intimate environment, that I would imagine that um, that iron-sharpening iron kind of experience, that real, true accountability and growth, that, that, that really uh, not only is fostered in that environment but thrives in that kind of environment, doesn't it, Pastor?
2: It does. It does. In fact, we had been looking for probably about the last four years. So we've been at a merged church for five years. So uh, year four, we decided at some point, hey, you know, we have this second service that we'd like to try and do something different, um, and we didn't know what that was. And so last year, we pulled a group of people together from young people to old people, married, single, female, male. Just like, what would it look like to have a, a different type of service? And so we, in November of last year, changed the format of our 11 o'clock service to be um, more, um, more like a small group at church. So the, the, the sermon time is, is honed down quite a bit. And then we have tables that we set up in the sanctuary for that service and have people gather in community, have questions that come up and have them then as part of the, the time of the word spend time together around questions to, to chew on it, to ask questions, to understand it and work much like some small groups would do. And so that's something that we've been trying out for the last six months. We're still trying to figure that out. We're tweaking it. Um, But again, we're, Going to try everything we can do to equip the saints for works of service and have them engage with the word. And so that's one of the unique things that we've been doing the past six months.
1: Well, I, I I love that approach and it and it certainly really goes to the heart of helping people understand what true discipleship looks like as well. We want to invite listeners to get more information about the ministry of Cedars Church. They're meeting at thirty-eight three twenty-five Cedar Boulevard in Newark. You can get information on the web at Cedars. Church dot com that's Cedars dot com service times at nine thirty AM live and in person and then eleven AM worship service as well. And is there a midweek uh, Bible study of any sort, Pastor?
2: Uh, um our one of our daughter churches has a Wednesday night um, service um, but the midweek things that we're focusing on are these missional communities that we're birthing and so that's our that's our midweek gathering
1: fantastic and folks can get more information by uh, going online again to cedars churchcom or you can call area code 510 791 8555 that's 510 791 8555 or online at cedars-church.com. Pastor Tim Ruiz, we appreciate so much uh, setting some time aside for us today and sharing a bit of your heart and your passion for the San Francisco Bay area and a little bit about what God is doing in the ministry of Cedars Church. So thank you again so much for your time.
2: Thank you for the opportunity.